If you think you could never be vegan, you're in the right place. If you think there's something big that you'd really like to do, but that it's probably too late, you're in the right place. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a life coach, and I think there has never been a more important time to move in a vegan direction. So I'm here every week to cheer you on and offer actionable tips as you veg your best. Episode 139, Why Try a Vegan Travel Agent? Welcome back, my Veggie Besties. I wanted to, uh, I don't know, I hope that you're all as excited as I am about travel because travel is the theme this spring at Veggie Best. Not only because we've had some road trips here, but it is one of the most typical concerns my clients and listeners have. How can I be vegan while traveling? So I was apparently born with a large dollop of wanderlust. But even if your idea of travel is reading or watching or listening to travel stories, I hope you're going to get some ideas and some inspiration for bringing the adventure of travel to your home or your community. And to start noticing what activities or places you worry won't work for you if you're committed to a vegan practice. And this week, we have yet another vegan travel professional who was kind enough to share her vegan entrepreneurial journey with us. Rebecca Gady Sawicki from Veggies Abroad. And for those of you who love a good blog, oh my gosh, you're going to love Rebecca's website, Veggies Abroad. It is packed packed with the kind of information that I crave, including foreign language guides for vegans on the road, travel guides for vegans across the U.S., Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean, Costa Rica, and Europe. More coming all the time. And you're also going to find all kinds of vegan tips and tricks, eco-friendly products and gift ideas. But don't stop, stop, don't, don't run off and read veggiesabroad.com quite yet. Okay, not right away. Let's listen to Rebecca from Veggies Abroad from a couple of weeks back, and I'll see you on the other side. Rebecca Gady Sawicki, welcome to Veg Your Best. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a delight that you've joined us. You are from Veggies Abroad, Veggie or Veggies? Veggies, veggies plural. Veggie you abroad. Never have many. that's great so you're a perennial topic everybody who talks to me has anxiety about travel or events or going places whether it's for business or pleasure so we can never have enough people helping us uh, be vegans and vegetarians and plant-based folks when we when we leave home so welcome and give us a sense of what your business does Rebecca yeah, sure. So uh, Veggies Abroad actually started as just a vegan travel blog. And prior to that, kind of uniquely, um, my background is in nonprofit fundraising, event management, and a little bit of communications. I actually never had an intention of growing this into like a, a vegan uh, travel empire. 
Um, but like so many people during the pandemic, I took time out to kind of reconsider my career. I wanted to align it with my ethics and I was struggling with finding a job. And so I did what any college educated person does during a global pandemic when everybody is stuck at home. And I started a vegan travel blog. Uh, prior to the pandemic, my husband and I did travel a lot and people were always really enamored with what did I eat? Did I lose weight? Did I go on a diet? Like the, the questions were kind of insane. And so I thought, all right, maybe this is going to force me to learn new skills, network with like-minded people. But then also I could help some people along the way. And then, you know, I'll just pivot my career and away I'll go and it'll be that. And then it started to open me up to some freelance opportunities, some uh, consulting opportunities. Then the blog started to grow. And then I started to think like, oh gosh, maybe there's more to this than I initially considered. Maybe travel can be an extension of my activism. Maybe there are ways that I can encourage people to use their dollars um, in a better way when they travel. Maybe I can, you know, put pressure on some of these travel companies to adopt better opportunities. And I thought, okay, let's explore this a little bit further. So I left my full-time job at the end of 2021 um, and then, you know, fully jumped into the world of blogging. And then from there developed um, some travel advisory services as well, which I just launched a month ago. So now it is fully turning into this little vegan travel empire that I never had anticipated. <laughs> Well, I think there's so much there's so much to discuss there. First of all, I do love the the title uh, travel advisory. Uh, I think that's that's so clever and so good. And you said it could be an extension of your advocacy. Um, I'd love to talk to you about that, how that started for you, because this is, I think, what is the subtext of everything I do um, in my coaching and on my podcast is to feature people who are vegan or on their way and, um, and, and help them get a little more outreach um, because this is, that's my advocacy to try to amplify uh, vegan voices. So tell me about your, your vegan journey. Sure. So I, I became vegetarian prior to ever becoming vegan. Uh, and I first became vegetarian when I was about 12 or 13. So I was in, um, I guess, middle school, seventh, eighth grade, something along those lines. Um, and I had to do a project on writing to a senator in the U.S. on an issue that I thought needed reform. So I asked my sister for a suggestion. What did she think? And she was in college at the time, and she had become a vegetarian. And, and honestly, everyone thought she was just really weird for that. We grew up in a really small rural town vegetarianism wasn't a thing. Um, the biggest thing that happened in our town was a McDonald's opening. So like that gives you a sense of like a vegetarian living there. And so she told me, she was like, why don't you write about slaughterhouse reform? And I was like, okay. So gleefully, I started down that path, you know, taking my older sister's advice. And then as I did that research, I was like, oh my God, I can't look at a McDonald's hamburger the same way. I can't be a part of this. So that made me first turn, you know, vegetarian. And then about six years or so, I went fully vegan. Um, and it initially started because of some health issues. I was having some, you know, issues with food that regular doctors couldn't figure out. And so I found a doctor that did a food sensitivity panel on me. 
and um, found out I was sensitive to casein, which is a protein in milk and sensitive to a slew of other things. Um, and so from there, then I started doing a little bit more, I guess I can say that up until that time, I knew that the dairy and egg industry wasn't great, but I had always justified it by saying like, well, I only bought it from happy chickens or happy cows and I didn't buy it a lot. And so, you know, I kind of hid behind that in all honesty. And so, you know, once I heard that from the doctor and I kind of really needed to face it at that point, I did more research and realized, you know what, happy chickens and happy cows don't exist. And the industry as a whole is really shit. Um, so, you know, I dropped it then and there um, and, you know, continued continued on and have always stuck with it, you know, for environmental concerns, ethical concerns, the whole, whole shooting match, so to speak. People are always like, are you vegan for the animals or vegan for this? And I'm like, no, for all of it, it's all bad. And <laughs> I can't just pick one. Yeah. And I do think sometimes people think that there's a hierarchy of it, um, um, in terms of, um, well, if you're a better person, if it's for an ethical reason, um, and I think however we get there, because it's it's a it's a hurdle to get there in our culture has us thinking it's natural, normal and necessary. And so whatever can get us to kind of open up, like you said, you were ethically um, vegetarian, but there yeah. was there was a veil over your eyes about about the dairy and the egg industry. Yeah. And not because you were a bad person or not a compassionate person. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. And I mean, I grew up in a very rural area. And so like, you no, know, there were chickens that were just hanging around and they were genuinely fairly happy in their like chicken lives. But that's, that's not the norm of what we find in grocery stores and the marketing. And I mean, marketing isn't regulated. And then even if you go a step further with regulations, regulations aren't regulated in the way that we think that they're regulated. And it's just a really slippery, ugly slope. And then you put people involved in that as well. And the industries are really harmful to, you know, communities, especially communities of color. Um, and it's just bad. It's just bad. Yeah. And it's not necessary. It's, yeah, and absolutely. In this day and age, especially it is a thousand and one percent not necessary. It is so easy. I mean, I think back to when I was a kid and that was really hard being a vegetarian then. And, you know, aside from like getting teased or made fun of, like it was just really hard to have options. I remember going to an Applebee's once um, and I was around that same age and there was not a vegetarian option on their regular menu. And so the only vegetarian option was a grilled cheese on the kids menu. And so I was like, can I get that? And he was like, you're not a kid. I was like, are you kidding me? Like you, so I'm just supposed to sit here. So can you give me a bun with cheese? Like, this is ridiculous. Mm. Nowadays, like it's, it is more of a head scratcher when you look at a menu and there isn't a vegan option on there. And it's like, have you guys not gotten with the times? It's, it's not 1984. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, I do think that um, this is this is an activism, even asking for the vegetarian or the vegan option when a point having it pointed out on the menu or asking what they can do for you. Even that is activism in, in, in depending. Everybody has a different comfort level and a different time. And and um, 
uh, energy level for doing all these things. So we, we, I, I like to just say, even asking for the vegetarian or vegan act, uh, option is opening up your local economy's um, eyes about about the market that exists there. Yeah, 100%. I always tell people when they travel that if you don't see something that you want to see, leave a, a comment, make comments online, make it known that there's demand for this, because oftentimes, businesses aren't going to make change because of, you know, moral or ethical reasons. Um, they're going to make changes because people demand it and that they know that there's money behind it. So we always have to use our voices. Anytime that you're using it, you're going to spend money, make sure you're doing it in a way that aligns with your ethics. And when you don't see something, share it, make sure it's well known. So then they're like, okay, I mean, if there's demand for this, we might as well do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And so your family, were they were they supportive or were they terrified and worried for you? Because I know my daughter, when she when she uh, stopped eating meat and uh, I, I before this is before I went vegan, I was yeah. like, oh, my God, what are you going to eat? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's funny. So um, I think they just thought it was a phase. Mm. And, you know, she'll get over it. We'll just leave it alone. I was an independent kid. So, you know, it was kind of like, just let her be. If you don't fuss at her too much, you know, then it won't be a thing. Um, I don't think anybody thought that I would stick with it. Um, and then over time, it was just like, yeah, she doesn't eat meat. Uh, so it was never like made out to be kind of a, a problem. Nice. Well, that's a good parenting technique, no matter what your kid decides to uh, make, whether they're ethical decisions or it's good to just be watchful and wait, wait, see how they, uh, yeah. see how they handle yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so now tell me, so now we're fast forwarding, you left your job. You are, you, uh, this is 2021. You've got your blog, yeah. uh, veggies abroad and what is what is your first big project? What what part of abroad do you want to talk about with us? Oh, that's a good question. So let's see. When I first started the blog, I was pretty much just writing based on destinations that I wanted to write about. And then that slowly turned into to, you know, other destinations coming to me. And so I've had some opportunities to work with a couple of different tourism organizations, which has been great. Some of them have been really receptive um, to my emails and realizing like, yes, we do need to talk about these options. Yes, we do need to promote these things. And then other ones, trash my email. Um, so still a little more work on that other side to go. Um, so last summer, let's see, I worked with um, Memphis's tourism organization, and that was really great because they're not ones you think to be promoting in the deep south, uh, vegan options, but they were all about it. And so that was great. And then I worked with a small uh, beach town in northern Michigan called Traverse City, and they have some good options as well. And they're actually featuring the itinerary that I created in their summer tourism guide as well. So, you know, that has been good. And that has caught the attention of some other tourism organizations as well that I've been chatting with to see if maybe there could be some opportunities. So I hope that that continues to be a little bit of, you know, kerosene to keep the fire going. So these places realize that, you know, tourists and travelers and visitors are looking for these options. They're expecting these options. 
And it's their job to make sure that they're promoting it, they're advocating for it, they're talking to these restaurants. You know, they are the gatekeepers to these cities and towns. So it's their job to make sure that they're doing these things. Now, is that your typical uh, client? Is like a um, the tourist tourist board for a, for a particular area? Um, I mean, it's just a mix, a little bit of the tourism uh, organizations, a little bit of hotels, you know, it kind of depends. I always have to, and you know, full transparency, I have to be careful too, because sometimes tourism organizations will want me to write stuff for them and appear on their website. And I want that to appear on mine. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a little bit of a a pull in or a tug of war uh, over where stuff is going to appear and how that can be handled. So that, you know, is a bit of a delicate balance. But if I can at least get a conversation started so that they realize the importance of it, that's kind of a win for me. So I know that you are based in Detroit, Detroit area. And tell me, what's the vegan and vegetarian scene like in Detroit? So the vegan scene over the past decade has really been growing. And then like in so many towns, COVID kind of kicked it down a bit and we lost, gosh, I don't know, maybe close to 50% of the businesses, which has been so, so sad. Um, I'm hopeful that as things continue to grow and, you know, look a little bit better that you know, new businesses come in or other businesses grow, but we do have a good mixture of options here. Um, there's right in the downtown area, there's a great longtime vegetarian restaurant that's mostly vegan that first started in um, a town not too far from Detroit, I think in the late 70s. And so then they grew and opened up a location in Detroit. They're, you know, a really great spot to go go to. And um, and a lot of places through the downtown area, because there is a university right in the downtown area, are very vegan friendly. And so I think like in most places, if you have a university nearby, that helps influence those restaurants. And so really I'm trying to think like going through, you know, the downtown area, there aren't too many places that you would go and like, you know, not be able to get deep dish Detroit style pizza or ice cream or mac and cheese. Like, you know, we've got all of that. And then some, we do have a really great fully vegan ice cream shop that's right downtown and they make these epic sundaes and, you know, really creative flavors. Um, They are honestly one of my favorite ice cream places of anywhere that I've ever been. Uh, So I hope, I think they're actually expanding. So I was going to say, I hope nothing ever happens with them, but I think they've got growth on their trajectory. (laughs) So I know if people look, go on to Veggies Abroad, they will see that you have travel guides to a variety of cities in North America and in Europe. I was just looking at one the other day. um, I think just before I talked to you about um, Seville, in Spain. Um, I'm, I, some of, some of the listeners know I'm going to Madrid and Seville and Cordoba, um, next month. And, uh, so, you know, I'm always, can I say, I worry less about veggie options than my husband does. Who's not vegan because he does not want to sit looking at me eating like French fries and a couple pieces of romaine lettuce. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> so he worries about it way more than I do. I know that if I miss a meal, I will, I will live. And also yeah. that's my activism. You, I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to eat. The- Where are you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's what really uncomfortable. <laughs> so tell me what, what, where, uh, in Spain, what, what, what's one of your, um, what are your recommendations? Cause you have quite a bit of information. Oh, and also how to ask for things in Spanish and among other languages. Yeah, sure. So, um, as far as the travel guides, they do cover, uh, quite a bit of Europe, uh, North America, a little bit into the Caribbean. I think that is about it at the moment. More to come, I'm sure, on those. And so the travel guides cover, you know, where to eat, things to do, places to stay, and then how to get around the city as well. And so it's kind of like your full overview, just about everything, like, very pertinent that you'd need to know you should be able to get out of a guide. And then there are always adjacent articles uh, covering other, you know, deeper aspects from, you know, bakeries to neighborhoods and everything kind of in between and different places. And Spain is actually one of my favorite countries. Um, I've spent a little bit of time in Barcelona, Madrid, Sevilla, and Granada. And I always am looking for a reason to go back. And all the cities, and like Spain is one of those places that I think people get really worried about, because they do have a propensity to love meat. Um, the culture tends to lean that way, but things are changing and you can see that in all of the major cities, especially like Madrid and Barcelona, there are some really fabulous options. I think in both of those cities, there are fully vegan markets as well. And even in Sevilla, it's, um, you know, smaller town, but there are uh, a good variety of vegetarian restaurants and a couple vegan ones. There is a company that that does some vegan food tours through the city as well. And so, you know, a lot has changed. It is honestly just a night and day change uh, from, you know, even five years ago with traveling, like more and more places keep popping up and, you know, branching out. And I remember when we first really started traveling, I mean, there were times when like, I actually did bring other food with us. And like my snack bag was really extensive. TSA actually always would flag my bag because of my snack bag. And it was always kind of humorous because then it would open up a conversation with the TSA agent. He was like, so are you gluten-free? And I'm like, actually I am gluten-free and I'm vegan. And he was like, Oh really? My girlfriend's gluten-free. And like, can I take a picture of these cookie or these bars and like send it to her? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. So it's honestly like, that's amusing, but then also kind of an extension of activism as well with an unlikely source that you would think would even have any interest to talk to you about these things. But, you know, back to the original point, options are vast and varied and you know some of the most surprising places there aren't too many places I don't really travel with snacks often I do for the plane just in case but the I cut way back on you know bringing anything with me I mean one I write about food so I always need to find it but two like most days are pretty much gone yeah, it is amazing, though. I think a lot of vegans, I don't know if everybody saw this in the news not so long ago. Uh, somebody had uh, requested 
a vegan breakfast on an overnight flight and got it was it was everywhere went viral i wish other things would go viral but it was just one banana <laughs> yeah. which is fine <laughs> Right, right, right. I think most people we've been there that's happened to me too, where like your meal like uh, ends up who knows where. And so you get like a tomato and some iceberg lettuce. And so that's when like, it's really helpful. Like I always put like oatmeal in my bag and a protein bar and fruit. And I like made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and stuff like that. It's just like, just in case, or, you know, you never know if you're going to get severely delayed and things like that. And so that can always be really helpful. But yeah, the banana, that was, that was very entertaining. (laughs) Well, and I think it's also, that is good advice because if you are starving and you can't think straight and you're jet lagged, it is, you, it's so much harder to have, have a good attitude and good foreign language skills and communication, uh, some charm offensive it's so better to have a snack with you so you can take the edge off some of this, get your blood sugar back in, uh, <laughs> back yeah. in check. So that's good. I was going to ask you what your go-to um, uh, snack bag entails. And I think that's, that's classic, right? The protein bars, yeah. nuts. Do you eat nuts? Yep. Dates? Yep. All of that. Yep. Throw it in there. Anything that can travel really well. Uh, I normally try and, you know, pack in my bag. I've heard some people like packing hummus and things, but I've not messed with that. That seems like a really great way to make a mess. Um. <laughs> and if they decide that that's liquid and when you go through, uh, when you go through TSA, you never I know exactly how they're going to interpret it. Too much of it. So you'd have to make sure that it fell within the um, the guidelines of that. Or if you just had a very small tub of it, I guess you, you know, you could be yeah. So, okay. So Spain, I agree. Spain has, I mean, if you've traveled in Spain, you've seen that they have museums of meat and museums of ham, <laughs> artisanal ham. Yeah. And it is, it is the culture. And one of the tricky things for people, um, I know I relate to this, People who um, love learning about culture, love learning about history, love learning about the patrimony of of these places. Yeah. Sometimes we feel very uncomfortable saying, "Yeah, but no, I'm not. I'm not touching what you you've made with uh, with meat or or cheese." How do you, how do you help people um, get ready for those conversations? That is a good question. I think, you know, you always have to remember you're a guest in somebody else's home and how you handle this topic is going to influence how they may think or manage it in the future. So if they have a really good experience with you and realize, you know, maybe this isn't so hard or, you know, maybe I should have thought differently about it, that could then affect another traveler's experience. So I think you always have to go into it with a good attitude. And, you know, realize we don't live in a vegan world. And so we have to, you know, manage that and manage our expectations with it. I always remind people, like, do you shop at Target? Target isn't a vegan store Um, and, you know, sells all those other things that you don't want to support. But we have to kind of we have to manage that within regular life until the day that, you know, we get to a place where the world operates more on, you know, the way we want it to, we're going to have to work within it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think sometimes uh, people can feel like, no, why should I have to manage my expectations and manage my mouth and manage my my attitude about it when it's they that are doing something I find so repellent? And I think I think that there's an argument for that. I also think you might not want to travel. <laughs> yeah, I think you might not want to travel, right? Um, and I always remind people too, like you haven't most likely haven't always been vegan. I mean, I wasn't, and. I know the like the thought process that went through my mind when I dealt with someone who was really difficult and like, you know, then it shut me off from actually hearing their argument. And so we just always have to remember that approach and people go through stages with change and, you know, baby steps. I agree. I think what you just said is so valuable. We all, we all need to remember that. And sometimes um, if we've been vegan a, a while, we can start to forget how, how it felt. Um, and who is the vegan that you, how can you be that vegan? Someone else needs to meet to really now go, Oh, I wonder if I could do that. Oh, she made it look, he made it look, they made it look awesome. They made it look great. They made it look respectful and kind and compassionate and doable. Yeah. A thousand percent. I always feel like my husband is a really good example of this because when we first met, um, I was really young and, you know, kind of, you know, blew him off. I, you know, was going off to the UK, going to have fun. And, you know, he met this vegetarian and was like, she's kind of wild. Like, this is weird. And I remember him telling me, you know, if you ever think you're going to change me, you need to date somebody else. And I didn't care. Like, that was like the furthest thought in my mind. I really didn't think he was going to stick around. And he came from a very, like, Strong Polish family, loves the meats, loves the potatoes, like the whole thing. They would actually have um, like a some kind of a meat party during the holidays with kielbasa and pierogies. And so um, like, you know, as time went on, I unknowingly was influencing him. And he up and was like, one day I'm going to be a vegetarian. And I was like, really? Ah. And then, you know, he stuck with that, stuck with that. And, you know, people would watch him. And it was like, he, you know, he started to change, like, not just what he talked about, but his, like, how he looked, what he was doing. And that was influencing other people around him. Pierogi man dropped me. What's going on? And then as he became vegan, like, that was like an even bigger shock to people around him. Like, really? He's not going to eat cheese now too? Oh my gosh. And so I think without him even realizing it, he became an activist in a way that he wouldn't have expected because people have this expectation of him. And then we're really interested to hear like, you made a really big change, but you look really good and you're running marathons. And like, I want, I want to know more. Um, so I think that's why something people have to keep in their back of their mind that you don't always know who is watching you and who might be interested in, you know, what you're doing and how you're doing it. And so, you know, just like being a good role model for kids, like we need to be a good role model for everybody um, that we want to adopt, you know, good choices. Yeah, I think that's 100% true. I I recently kind of adopted the term pre-vegans where I don't I don't talk about people as non-vegans unless they have have 
adamantly insisted. <laughs> I just consider all of them pre-vegans and that at some point the penny will drop and they will start to lean into it a little bit, a little bit more. And it's up to me and everybody else to try to make it look like we're not, we're not miserable. We're not hungry. <laughs> we're actually really fun people who do all the same things you do. Um, just we don't eat animal products. Yeah. And, and we travel. So where's the fun? What what's a what's a fun part? Like what do you think most people come to your to your website for? What are they looking for when they discover veggies abroad? Yeah, so I'd say the top articles that people find me for are Paris, Lisbon, Lisbon, New York City. Paris, Lisbon, New York City, and maybe a handful of other ones throughout Europe. But those are kind of the larger ones that draw in traffic. And then I think from there, people are like, oh, my gosh, this is really helpful. I've had some of the best notes from people who would like find a, a guide from Paris and like, this was so helpful. Like now I'm like not worried at all. And do you also have suggestions for X, Y, and Z? Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm really glad that it helps people be more confident of, you know, where they're going to explore and what they're going to do. And, you know, it's really great to then be able to support these businesses who are doing these things to make these, you know, better choices for the world. So I feel like it's just, it's a really great cycle of kindness. Win-win. Yeah. So, so people can find so many of your guides on veggiesabroad.com, but then you also offer offer more one-on-one consultations with people if they're looking for a trip, right? Yeah. So I recently launched travel advisory services. I realized at the end of last year that I could do even more good by becoming an agent. So I joined and I travel a host travel agency in February and um, now I can do, you know, full travel planning for people, or, um, I could just do kind of a more budget friendly approach to them as well. But my whole goal for this is to create, um, more sustainable and vegan friendly itineraries for people. Travel is a very, very powerful tool. It can help, you know, educate us, open our eyes, break down barriers, but it can also be really exploitative and damaging, not only to the environment, but to the communities that we do visit as well. So I really hope by me entering the travel space in this way that I can help travelers realize that their dollars are their votes and they can make a really, you know, impactful um they can be very impactful in the way in which that they travel and into these communities and these businesses. And it does make a difference. And like we said in the beginning, um, you know, it's their own form of activism when they're going to these places and they don't see options or they're supporting businesses that they care about. I always tell people like you pour over product labels and companies and have staunch, you know, views on not buying stuff from here and only buying stuff from here that has to care carry over into your travel attitude as well. And you shouldn't, you know, put that at the door and you're always, you know, you're visiting someone else's home and you want to be respectful for that, just like if they were coming to your home as well too. And, you know, it's a kind of a unique place to be within the travel space. There are companies that are moving more to a sustainable lens and, you know, are talking about it, but there are others that are far behind on that. 
And so I feel, I said this the other day, I kind of feel like the weird kid in class that's come in and is like, so I'm going to do things differently and it's going to make some people uncomfortable. Um, but I like, I have to keep reminding myself that I always have to send things kind of through my value channel. And if it doesn't stick with that, I'm not going to promote it. And, you know, I'm not going to encourage people to spend money on it either. Um, so, you know, I hope to inspire people to just, you know, travel better. Travel responsibly, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, that it's it's funny you say that. Um, I, I, I'm thinking, well, what what is an issue that we might just ignore as travelers that we might just not think twice about that we actually have a little bit more control over? We have a little we have some distinctions we could be making. What's something you would advise us to be thoughtful about when we're traveling? So when you're choosing accommodations, it's always best to choose more independent properties, then the money stays within the communities more. If you're booking a really large chain, then the majority of that money is then going up to a foreign owner and not staying within the community. And then oftentimes those workers are not making um, a salary that we would deem to be appropriate for their level of work um so it's always good to kind of start with start with that you know it's not always possible in every destination to do that so you know then trying to find places that are you know making an attempt at sustainability um initiatives and so there are places that have conservation programs set up or you know, they're at least cutting down on plastic use or they have, you know, resource, um, resource like uh, water and electricity programs that are set up to, you know, be better stewards of the environment in that way. So it's always good to look and see what the property's um, stances are on these things. And if they don't highlight any of this stuff, you can always send an email. I mean, sometimes they won't respond to you and that's kind of a red flag. But, you know, a lot of times nowadays places are starting to talk about these things because they know it is at the top of mind for consumers. And the same thing goes with tours. You know, there are a lot of tour companies that will fly, you know, a 22-year-old from, from New Jersey over to be your tour guide in Spain. And that's not the best way to go about it. You should have local guides. So that you're again still supporting the community. And then you're also really learning about the community from somebody who lives there. The 22-year-old in New Jersey might really love Spain, but he's not the best authority on it. And so those would be, you know, kind of two of the, the biggest ones to look at off the top. No, th those are those are great. I, I hadn't thought about that at all. I'm, yeah, I'm right. so glad I'm so glad you offered that because it'll just be something I think about, you know, some the other day, somebody was talking about a corporation making a statement on plastic and water use and, and they kind of dismissed it as being greenwashing, which perhaps it was. But I think greenwashing indicates that we're moving in the right direction. If they think they need to say things to make us uh, believe that they're being more responsible stewards of, of our earth, then yeah. It probably there, it's probably an indication that something is moving in the right direction. Yes, it is definitely the hope. Um, I mean, you can always dig further, and a lot of you know there are journalists that will cover some of this stuff, and so you could kind of dig deeper into it. But I agree, like we all, just like with our vegan journey, our vegetarian journey, whatever the journey, we all have to start somewhere. 
And so if I do see, so I stayed at a property in Seattle at the end of last year. And so they did have a handful of like very small things that they were doing, but then they also were like had uh, switched and were doing, you know, cruelty-free toiletry products and rooms. So that was good. They had veggie options on the menu. And then the staff was also kind of aware of other things that they know that like as a property they need to be doing. So it's good. It's entering the minds. And then they have people that are traveling there and also pushing that. That makes a difference too. Like you have to keep reinforcing that message. Just just like any form of marketing, like you can't say it once and think that's enough. Like you just have to keep going through the doors, saying the same message, saying what we want to encourage that change. I, I Not so long ago, I it was like the third day we had stayed somewhere and I suddenly realized that there was a card that they left on top of the bed that said, in order to save water and resources, if you don't want us to change the sheets, just leave this card on the bed when you leave. And I hadn't even noticed it. I And I felt really yeah. appalled because they'd obviously changed my sheets completely like two oh. or three times. And um, so I do think, you know, there's like a meeting of, of somehow it has to be more obvious, some of it, or they should say, we're not going to change it yeah. unless you yeah. request it. Yeah, there are quite a few properties now that are moving towards a like, you need to request for housekeeping, which is good because, you know, I don't change my sheets at home every day. <laughs> you don't need to do the same on vacation. And so that does cut down on, you know, resources as well. And I mean, if they don't have that, just put the like, do not disturb sign up on your room and, you know, they won't come in and, you know, change anything or bring you new stuff. And that's fine as well. Yeah. And that's just a good thought. I mean, if you're not thinking that way, just that just the conversation about this uh, opens it up a little for us. All right. So tell so where is a place that you have not done a guide yet that you are dying to? Oh, that is a great question. I'd say probably Thailand. And Mm. I'm uh, looking at maybe doing that later this year. Uh, and Africa is really high on my list as well. I have been chatting with a really amazing property in Kenya um, that I hope to send a ton of people there. So if anybody is interested in Kenya and is listening, this property has, they took over a former property that was dilapidated and they brought it back to life. But when they did that, they did it through a very sustainable lens. They wanted to make sure that they were being good stewards to the environment and also to the animals in the community around it. So they switched all their diesel vehicles over to electric, which was good for the environment, but it's also better for the animals. So when they're on safari, they're not loud, they're not Mm. intrusive, they forego any walkie-talkies or anything like that. So there's no like babbling communication to tell another group like you need to come over here and just see a lion pride like those guys are just going to hopefully see it tomorrow but they want to make sure that they're being respectful to you know the animal environment there and then they have some really great um resource programs as far as water recycling they do not allow single-use plastic onto the property they actually make you sign something before you come because they don't have a way to dispose of it or recycle it and so they i'd say they're almost zero waste as well because they like all of their food waste goes through a um gosh i forgot now what the thing is called but it's like this bio 
composter thing that then they use for their garden. And most of the food that they um, they provide to guests is plant-based. That's like the, the focus for them. And it's made with vegetables from their on-site garden. Um, and then they also have programs to, you know, bring people into the community so that they can actually learn about, you know, um, this part of Kenya and the population and its inhabitants. It's just, it's a really, really, really cool place. So if anyone's interested in Kenya and would really like to visit that, this is, this is a topic for them to, uh, contact Rebecca at, at Veggies Abroad make sure sure. we'll have all and we'll have all your links in the show notes um on instagram we will be we'll be sharing it so people will be able to find you and so that's exciting and thailand do you have a property in thailand that you've got your eyes on that you're thinking about visiting um i do not have a property in mind there is an amazing elephant sanctuary in the northern part of the country and she's actually been on a a couple documentaries lately um that i would love to visit in person she rescues elephants that have been abused um have generally been a part of like the elephant entertainment industry that happens in thailand um so she has this giant giant property where these elephants are just living their best elephant lives and um, people pay to come and it helps keep the the sanctuary going. Um, and so she's really trying to change the conversation in Thailand and make people realize that, you know, elephant rides are abusive and they're cruel and all of these, you know, kind of circus-like entertainment things that happen with wildlife there are, you know, exploitative and they're terrible and they need to end. Uh, Thailand is a country where um, it is not uncommon for visitors to go and be, you know, asked, do they want to take a selfie with a tiger? Do they, you know, want to walk with some other wild animal? And, you know, I think for any of your listeners, that would be a red flag right away. But there are people there that are, you know, trying to change that conversation and get people to realize that this is cruel this isn't okay. And, you know, we need to stop. Mm. And that, that change over in um, attitude about some of these things, it is slow. It's not everybody at once. Right. I mean, I, I, I loved zoos, honestly, I've, I took my kids to all those, all the yeah. marine parks and everything. And it, another thing that I just did not appreciate until very recently, what, yeah. what was involved with all that. Yeah. So yeah. you've met, you've mentioned some things uh, to consider as red flags. You've also con- uh, mentioned some things um, to consider asking questions. Uh, where are the tour guides going to be on this organized tour? Um, uh, whether what, can I stay in in a um, in accommodations that are run managed and uh, the workers are local? Um, so these are these are great things. What's some other thing that we should really have in in the back of my, our minds that because uh, you're you're giving me a lot to think about. Good. I'm so glad. You know, the other thing I always encourage people is always to learn a little bit of the language of where you're traveling. You know, not only is it respectful, but it, you know, will help you with, you know, negotiating ingredients, labels, menus. Oftentimes people will say, well, don't they speak English? You should never just assume that you're going somewhere else and that they're going to speak English. A lot of places, yes, do learn both languages, unlike the United States. But um you should go in and, you know, be polite and, you know, be able to greet people. But then it is always really good to be able to, like, know, like, how do you say vegan? How do you ask, like, 
does this have cheese in it? Um, or I am vegan, like very simple things. Like one thing that I always make sure that I learn how to say is, you know, being able to order a coffee with some kind of a non-dairy milk. And it, you know, I remember doing it in Lisbon and the barista like paused and he looked at me and then he says in English, she goes, you didn't have to say that in Portuguese. And I said, but I'm in Portugal. And he goes, well, that was, why'd you do that? That was nice. <laughs> well, I know I have I this I love languages and I do make it uh I do make it a practice to try to learn some languages I know a fair amount um but I try to at least know how to say hello and thank yeah. you and goodbye in any language any country I'm going to and sometimes people are like are where are you Canadian? I'm like no actually I'm I'm from the US. You're like Americans? Americans don't do that. <laughs> So we need to change that attitude in the world. Yeah. We need to make a little bit of an effort. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. It makes all the difference. And it makes your interaction with people just, you know, better. And, you know, people open up and are probably more apt to help you as well. Or say, st just stop it. Let's talk. Let's let's talk in English. Your, your, <laughs> <laughs> your language skills are awful. <laughs> yeah, that's happened too. <laughs> All right. So if people want to get in touch with you, Rebecca, they're going to, they're going to look for veggiesabroad.com. They're going to look it for your veggies abroad on Instagram. And uh, wh what would you like to invite them to, uh, to look at first? I think you've got a downloadable, how to speak these languages we were just talking about, right? Yeah. So if you join my newsletter, um, I have like language cheat sheets in I think seven different languages now. And it covers kind of the basic stuff, like some basic greetings and then some basic questions as far as that's food related so that you can you know navigate that a little bit um and then from there you can check out you know if you have a trip coming up you can either search for that destination up in the top or you know skim through the travel guide section to see what's there and then if you know you've thought about this and you'd really like help with travel planning there's also a section on there um for travel advisory and you know planning services so you can jump in there and shoot me a note if you would like help or, or you know have questions you'd like to ask me please feel free to reach out i'm always happy to answer yeah we're going to make sure everybody can find you because i think it just shows how much you know because there's so much information that you give away for free on that site so people should definitely 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 go on the site and sign up for the newsletter because you're really going to enjoy that even if you are an armchair traveler right now even if you're not ready to uh to um to commit to to tickets anywhere but also and also there are there are a fair number of uh north american cities also so yeah yeah i was going to say too like if you want to stay closer to home there's plenty of that too so if you're you know just going to new york city or you're just maybe coming to detroit uh there's you know plenty to help you you know with all of that as well Thank you. Rebecca Gady Sawicki, thank you so much from Veggies Abroad. We're going to uh, make sure everybody can find you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you. Me too. And happy travels. So, so what did you think about Rebecca Gady Sawicki? Rebecca's story of going vegetarian then vegan, her story of using blogging to begin with as an extension of her activism, and how that in turn evolved into leaving her job, creating Veggies Abroad as her vegan travel consulting. Honestly, this is exactly what I am always, always trying to remind my clients about. 
the next step appears as you take the first. The how slowly appears as you commit to your why. Please, please, I beg you, don't wait to start something that's important to you until you know all the steps. At your Best, I am imploring you, start where you are the best way you can today and, okay, maybe hire me to be your coach. But back to Rebecca. Rebecca wants us to see travel as a powerful tool that can uplift the culture and community that we visit while widening our own personal horizons. But if we aren't thoughtful, travel can also be damaging and exploitive to the people we visit. So I love Rebecca's idea that each dollar we spend traveling is a vote. And we can vote for travel experiences that make the world a little more compassionate, sustainable, and peaceful. Now, in the show notes, I have all Rebecca's contact info, so you can find out for yourself the benefits of using a vegan travel agent, such as, what did she say? Ethical and sustainable itineraries, less travel stress, having a vegan advocate on your side, and the perks that she can negotiate for you. So I recommend that you get over to veggiesabroad.com, get inspired, and, and not just to travel. Maybe get inspired on how your interests, your pre-existing career, can be a real service to vegans, to vegetarians, and to all ethically concerned people. Maybe what you already know how to do so easily would really benefit new vegans, helping them make better choices, helping them to proceed more confidently. What's that phrase? We can't get there unless we all have the opportunity to get there. Now, we're going to have a lot more about travel over the next couple of months at least because Veg Your Best is heading, uh, we're heading to the UK very soon, and many of my guests have all kinds of insight to share about how we vegan when we leave the house. But I wanted to end with this quote from Anthony Bourdain. Poor Anthony Bourdain. I, I, I miss his work. And he was decidedly not a vegan. And actually, one of the people whose own wanderlust, his own powerful persona and beautiful writing, sometimes made me doubt whether vegan travel would work for me. But I still love this quote. Travel isn't always pretty. It isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it hurts. It can even break your heart. But that's okay. The journey changes you. It should change you. It leaves marks on your memory. Tony Bourdain. Okay, kids, follow Rebecca Gady Sawicki on veggiesabroad.com. Take your vegan practice out for a spin on the road. No, it isn't always pretty. Sometimes it hurts. It can even break your heart. But that's okay. The journey changes you. It should change you. It leaves marks on your memory. Okay, I'll see you next week. And until then, veg your best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. 
something about algorithms. It helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best. <laughs>